Ready to go? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, so excited for our guest today, Cassidy Tim Brooks. Cheers. Thank you for the coffee. Thank you for... And this is our first Sunday episode, so I feel like it's going to have chill vibes. I hope so. I feel that. I got all ready for you on Friday. Mm. <laughs> all right. I messed up. That's I. I've been I've been doing a lot of two p.m. interviews, and I surely looked through my my text, and we had agreed on twelve p.m. And at twelve oh seven, you were like, "Hey, man, are you on the way?" And I was in the middle of court battles and this and that. I'm running around oh trying to put God. shoes on, yelling at my wife, "Get me the cameras!" Um, well, it's but, one of those yeah. things where plans get canceled, and you're like. Oh, thank God. You know, it's like, I'm glad to reschedule, but in the moment, you're like, okay, the relief of having, okay, so I don't have anything to do today. Yeah, isn't that nice that, uh, to uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, unveiling of open time that you can get? These days, it is harder and harder to come by, so yes. I mean, have you ever had someone, like, um, sort of, like, not ghost you, but, like, cancel, like, a date plans, and you're like... Great, I get to eat Chinese food. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Especially as a woman, it's just infuriating when they wait a little too long and you're already kind of like... Well, yeah. You've already started your makeup. Well, I'm sorry. I got you in makeup. Although yeah. you were heading out... I was headed to a photo shoot anyway, so I ended up I ended up making the day actually, like, more time... Um, uh, le- yeah, less worried about traffic. Yes. And, okay, well, I gave yes. you that gift. You're welcome. But I'm glad that we're doing this now. Anyway, I'm glad that we were both available for a little Sunday too. powwow. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to out where you live, but you live right near one, one of my favorite comedy venues. Do you know there's they do comedy right here? Right here. Yeah. No, I in didn't know that. In this tiny, it's the, one of the dingiest places in the whole world, and it's a place where comedians go to train there to hone their act. We'll talk more right about there, it off the here. Blue? right there. I'm not kidding. That's Damn. spot. Okay. Right next okay. to that. We'll I don't want to call it, it out. I, well, I, down keep, try, I keep almost saying it. And stop. <laughs> so I was, in fact, I I'll, take a, I'll take it right here just so we don't drive by it. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to dox you in case you have any crazy stalkers. Now, we, we met you as a Bachelor audience um, on Clayton Eckerd's season. Mm-hmm. Fantastic story. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, the the you made it you, and and so much story considering you didn't go that far. How, how was your experience? Yeah, in retrospect, it really did feel like I was a pretty um, a pretty in, integral part of the season. Despite like I was only there for two episodes, I was like you know in one episode pretty much. Um, you guys had um, some pretty steamy makeout sessions. We did. That was kind of my that was my approach. Uh, Go go hard, fast. Yeah, I thought you know, and I'm gonna be just to be honest with you. Like, I was pretty aware of the fact that I was probably gonna be outgunned by the other contestants in terms of like accolades. You know, I don't what have do anything. You mean accolades? Like, you know, ever, I mean, for example, like Eliza modeled in Germany. Like, if picture like if you get off the next bus, remember like MTV Next, what your little like three facts oh. are. It was like modeled in Germany, Dude, and Elizabeth like speaks brutal. nine languages. And, I and just, you I were knew. like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a boner. I'm going like, to give this okay. guy a boner. That's my accolade. Uh, literally, I was like, um, so I think I can get him to make out with me a bunch, and then I'll at least make it to, like, episode four. When they do these makeout scenes, how long are you kissing for? A normal amount of time from my memory. Five it, minutes? It didn't feel crazy. A few minutes, maybe. And you know the cameras are on. Can you, like, hear them, like, creeping up to you? Are they scurrying around? Like, we've got a moment. They have wide shots, usually. Um... That's very. Respectful. I never, I never felt lurked on by cameras. They were kind of like there, but you just it didn't it didn't bother me too much. And the um, the producer's presence either. I don't, I don't know. I guess it's hard. I guess I've never really thought about that. It didn't feel weird to me making out on camera, but I'm sure that it probably does for some people. Was it nerve wracking just doing the limo exit? 
Yeah. And, and and I know you can't share ever too much, but like, do they do they are you like in the are you getting your makeup done, going over your lines, what you're gonna do? I mean, because it's it's real, but it's also you have to be sort of like ready to 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 perform. Yeah, like it's it's hard to explain the way that it's real, but it isn't. It's you're playing a character in a sense. At least I kind of felt like I was. I was playing a bachelor contestant. I, you know, you pull up to the mansion, you can't help it. All of a sudden, you just like are like, oh my gosh, I'm on the bachelor. Like, let's go. And you know, the the at least for me, the like alpha personality took over. The like, you know, fake it till you make it confidence took over. Um, and I went right in on it. But I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think from what I observed from a lot of the other girls, I think that. Um, that sort of situation causes a lot of people to react in the opposite way where they get kind of in their shell and nervous and and it's um, almost easier to compete not for Clayton but against you so you 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 precisely. take an initial you're almost like almost the lead of the pack early on so people are coming after you not necessarily him you know I've never I've never thought about it that way but that makes a lot of sense at least in that initial couple of episodes it is kind of easier to just rather than if if you can't be in his top few then like the easiest way to sail through is to be against the one person who's yeah start who's coming which out we see every year thomas, which happens every thomas year thomas was a big uh, christina mandrell yeah of course they God. they get some attention for you know the targets on your pack yeah now because in, in reality i will like, go well, i will say i do not think in my recent memory like early season villains i feel like they are never actually you know what I'm not even going to say that I don't think any villains on the show are actually bad people for the most part so right, I'm not but, even going to go there but early villains don't have the l- late season villains most the, early villains are probably just villains because they have some element of like alpha in their personality yeah Shanae yep exactly Corinne uh, Olympios these are people that that are loud outspoken you're sort of playing into what the producers want which is sound bites now your season became interesting because it was revealed by another contestant that you had a friend with benefit you'll you'll never get anybody on the internet who defended you more than this i always say i don't care if you've literally come from your friend with benefits bedroom (laughs) if you you are not in a relationship until that is agreed upon you know so so what was that whole thing like about getting outed because that was a very kind of debatable topic well first of all i appreciate your support i do remember it very clearly and i needed it because i had never the entire internet was talking about it and i mean on on the one hand it was kind of cool i guess to stir up some controversy and i also thought that the conversation that it brought up was something that i was kind of proud to have you know started in the sense where i do spearheaded yeah yeah, exactly inadvertently to have spearheaded of uh, the conversation about very aggressive whether or, <laughs> whether or not you penetrated the conversation there <laughs> just six inches right into it right in um yeah i couldn't believe what was happening the tears when i got sent home were partially like disappointed i mean i was like bummed out but it, they weren't because i was in love with clayton i was like crying because i was absolutely baffled at what was even happening did you feel i couldn't shame believe it no i just couldn't believe it i did i hadn't done anything you, you there were sound felt... bites of me being like i didn't do anything because that was how i felt in the moment and and when you explained this to your, to um, i don't remember who it was someone outed you was it like it was sierra jackson sierra it, who who of course has has become known as very messy 
I don't want to talk any trash about it, but like she I has think that followed. Sierra deals with a lot of internalized misogyny. Like that's become pretty evident to me based on things I've heard her say. And I don't have any ill will towards her. Like she and I are cool. But I spoke to her. She did an interview recently where she said some nasty things about me again. And I spoke to her and I was like, girl, I'm going through a lot right now. And like, this is crazy. It's been a year. Can you stop talking about cows and milk? Like, and how, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, the just whole, lay uh, off. why take Yeah, she's like, that's like, a, a, and that's what I mean. The fact that that's a line that she goes with means to me, I think she has some internalized misogyny. I don't know who mistreated her in her life and made her think that, you know, manipulated her in that way. And there's a lot of people who feel there that way. There are different ways to to launch a relationship, but but holding off on sex may work in some, but that also might be a confirmation bias. Like it might've worked because it just worked. You know, like like relationships can start in different ways. I've started relationships that began with what, what, what might've been a fun one night stand and all of a sudden, it's just like if you meet someone in an environment that might lead to early sex versus another environment, I wouldn't hold that against the person. It, no, honestly, I was just socialized very freely in that regard. Like. I've always been very sexually like um, unashamed, and I've I've never really con- I've never even thought to consider anybody's sexual history or I lack like the thereof you... as indicative of their character ever. It's never even occurred to me to to feel that way. You were socialized. I like the way you put that. Yeah. So so was that a p- parental thing or like friend group? Had like you grew up just not not holding sex uh, on a pedestal. I was. I think it had a lot to do with the content and the media that I liked when I was young. Like I was really into, like I already referenced MTV Next in the first few minutes of this, but I liked like raunchy reality TV and you know, I, I guess it was normalized to me pretty early on in a way that I thought was cool. I loved Jersey Shore. I've seen it through like multiple times. (laughs) I love that era of media. And I think it really instilled in me in like early teens that like, it's okay to be the kind of girl that, you know, think sex is funny and you know I, I never felt any pressure to be um prim and proper in that way I, I wasn't a part of the you know the more traditional stuff that kind of gets women involved with that sometimes I wasn't raised in a religious family I wasn't in like the pageant scene or anything like that which is wild because you you now come on to bachelor which does have an evangelical following you have Maddie Pruitt which is worth the wait no sex till the you know final and and that might work for somebody but you shouldn't shame people for whatever decisions they want to make whether it's and and, and people always uh, misconstrue what I say there where they go well you're shaming Maddie Pruitt and I'm going no I'm shaming her because she's promoting that this is the healthy way. I'll shame Maddie Pruitt because because (laughs) of the same reason. You know, it's it's like, I don't know. I, I think that especially since I moved to Los Angeles, like that was kind of, I left a serious relationship to come here. And that was part of what I wanted when I got here was like, hey, I was gonna apply for The Bachelor as soon as I felt like I could. And be like, I want to date around. I want to feel like I've, you know, dated every kind of guy that I want, have ever, you know, would ever have any curiosity about. Um, Not a bad having, approach. Yeah, having a colorful dating and sex life has just always been like a life goal of mine. So I never thought much of it. And so when it when it was coming to you know fruition in that way in the mansion. I was like in tears because I'm like, what is even happening? But um, so for those that didn't watch, you you had spoken with Sierra about like, yeah, I had a guy back home, or I have a guy back home, and did, you, you didn't think that would be used against you, or did you not think you were on camera? No, I just didn't. Th- I didn't think that it would be used against me. I mean, also like full disclosure, 
any uh, any memory or you know uh, experience that I give you from that era, I was drinking very heavily, so the decision making was you know not uh, not sober minded at all. But I didn't think that it would get me into trouble because I I knew that it wasn't you know. I think that if someone is talking very openly about something, they're either how do I want to say this? Not trying to hide. Yeah, I just I just wasn't trying to hide it. I didn't yeah. think it was a secret. And you seem to have the personality type that does well. Like, do you have a lot of girlfriends? Are you the type that, you know, like, well, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, because in most cases, your girls would find you funny, but in this case, they're your competition. So right. they will just like to go back to Thomas when when he was asked on Katie's season, hey, yeah, would you be bachelor? Yeah, I'd be bachelor if I lost. Oh, and then they brought it and they used it against him. I yeah, I would have said the same thing if um, I wouldn't have thought, it wouldn't have occurred to me to think that, oh, well, I need to say that I'm not because I don't want them to think like, you know, I, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought about that in time. I would have been like, yeah, sure, I'd be the bachelor. I whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would just, have done the same. I would have made the same mistakes, a social mistake, quote unquote. But And then most people would. Like, I, I I, would be the type that would say something to make someone laugh or, or, yeah. or, or win that mm. moment of likability. And then that would be completely used against me I, the next second. Like, I would not last That too is long. definitely <laughs> my personality type. I will, I, I, I'm sure that's probably why they cast me, to be honest. Like, I will say anything to get a laugh out of somebody and if I if they're responding well to what I'm saying I'll amp it up you know yeah well That's I don't think how they were... got me in interviews they paired me with the producers that were like you're crushing it you are doing so well uh, he yeah. loves you and I was like he does love me doesn't he oh I'm crushing it yeah, that's what they do, and I, you know, it's just important, and it's hard for people to realize that it's like, it's it's just a sliver of truth. Um, so, well, they do like your psychological evaluations and stuff in the casting process. So, like, I don't know this to be true, but I would assume that they like obviously want to clear that you're not, you know, insane, but also, or you know, actually, they, I think, the, but. I think that they categorize people initially from like the psych evaluations and kind of figure out they have all the information they need to figure out how to make you tick. Oh yeah. Well also, yeah. What to make you, if you're going to sort of how you're going to deal with adversity, but also, you know, you learn from, um, from mentalists and from magicians that they can spot who's more agreeable than someone else. So they can do tests to see if you're going to follow along versus not follow along. And that's why a lot of pageant girls and a lot of football players make it because they are all about doing what the coach says. And you know, that's and then when you don't when you kind of go against that grain not I you like but I like your brain that's very that is very analytical listen I didn't get to where I am because I don't <laughs> overthink impressed. these things no because I'm you impressed. go why are there all football players and pageant queens well because you know someone like Clayton did well because he's a do your job kind of guy well, and the they easy, got the, him to do his job the reason that's so genius is because the easy and obvious thing to assume is that it's because they're obviously good looking like that is an accolade that you know generally goes hand in hand with being attractive um but it's deeper than that it goes a layer deeper I look like at that. these look at this foliage i know it's, i was just having the same Isn't thought this beautiful i gotta make sure i'm not uh, gonna get run over here we haven't had a major collision yet on this season which is good <laughs> all right so what was the recovery process like after you go from hot and heavy to you know, mischaracterized. Did you think that? Ugh. Did you think that? Oh shoot, this is going to be a major storyline. It was really brutal. Um, let me try and let me try and be concise in my recollection of this. So when I got sent home, obviously I went from flying f- as high as I had ever been emotionally. I had a rose going into a rose ceremony. I didn't think that I was, you know, going to make it 
I thought that either he was going to like me and I was going to go really far or I'd go home night one. I kind of didn't see myself being like a middle season, you know, drama character. Yeah. Um, so I had a rose going to the rose ceremony. I was set to travel the next day. Um, I hadn't even packed my stuff in the mansion because you don't have to pack if you have a rose going in. Um, to, you know, sent home out of nowhere. And when they sent me back to the hotel, I didn't have my phone yet. I was still in my gown and my full makeup. It was like three in the morning. Oh I was gosh. crying hysterically. I like, the only phone number that I knew by heart was my mom. So I called my mom from the hotel phone and I was like, <laughs> you know? like you said, it's not just because you got rejected. It's because oh, it's, you, you almost like had this, your own uh, maybe lo they, loyalty and you were questioned with your morality. My, every, it was every, every possible way that you can feel. I feel like I had like let everybody I knew down. I feel like I had like, I blew an opportunity that would have been huge for my, you know, my potential career. I felt like I had blown everything. Um, and on top of that, you know, I wasn't really aware until the very last minute that the girls in the house had had decided they didn't like me. So it also, at the, in the in the instant that I was there, it felt like people that I thought were my friends threw me under the bus. You know, it wasn't quite that simple, but. Any apologies after? Felt. Definitely, yeah, and I'm sure that that happens with and everyone what's, what's else. The, what's an apology like? Are people going, hey man, sorry, we were kind of caught up in it too, you know? Very, a lot of the time it's like that, yeah. It depends on how close the <laughs> relationship was or wasn't, yeah. Um, and I think that initially, too, everybody waits a couple months to see, like, what the public's response to somebody is going to be before they decide to make their amends, you know? Um, which is, that's kind of shitty. Which is kind of shitty, but, I, you know. Because every year you see, like, Nobody in particular know, did that, but, like, I think that's a thing that, you know. Um, you know, you see, like, Katie Thurston's season's funny because she was a long shot to be Bachelorette. Uh -huh. But as soon as she gets it, everyone's like, oh, yeah. And every year, I'm Charity's girl. Oh every gosh. year it's like, all right, sure. You were, it's just like, it's like we're all in this high school and then who's who, who can we, like, stick to? That's the popular kid. With a little bit of hindsight, I think most people that come out of the show realize that it was kind of a fever dream. And like, hey, man, sorry about all that. Like, we're cool, right? You know? Um, and I'm very, I'm, I just, I don't take there's not a lot that I take that seriously. So, you know, Fever I got dream. no, yeah. no bad blood or anything, but what's your first drink after, after, uh, are you just immediately like not, and do you go back to the friend with benefit? Cause I wouldn't, I mean, no, I, I didn't know. So honestly, I probably like, if, if you had asked me before, I probably would have said that I would have, but I think I was so disappointed by the outcome of the bachelor that even if I had wanted to, and I would have wanted to, he was a good looking guy and we had good chemistry. I just, I too closely associated him with the pain of that experience. Of I couldn't, I don't think I'd be able to put it aside too, but I did, I did, this is all theoretical. I did not see him again. That did not happen again. I, um, you know, friends with benefits are interesting because we say friend and friend usually isn't what it is. It's usually somebody you're, you have enough attraction to want to sleep with, but not enough that you want to continue a relationship with. But my wife, Tasha, I was like talking to her yesterday when we were talking about going over this. She said, well, in her eyes, a friend with benefit is usually one person not wanting to commit, but the other yeah. person would. So which one do you fall into? Well, I think that a friend with benefits situation setup is oftentimes similar to an open relationship setup in which in, in, um, like we're going to, we're going to go try to are, do better. I think that they are alike in that one person would probably like to make this a closed off relationship, but the other person isn't willing to. And the, and, and person a 
like is into them enough to kind of they can put their feelings aside for some amount of time and maybe that's where men and women differ because i mean and again it's all on a spectrum we use generalizations like there can be people that are just not in the headspace to commit and they both just want to fuck but then yeah there can be well, people that like lie to themselves now. I have always been looking for a partner, like, almost all of my adult life. And since I quit drinking, and, like, right now, I work out every morning. I work my 9 to 5 or 9 to 6. You know, I go to my meetings most nights after work. And then, like, wow. I don't have time to commit you're, to a um, relationship right now. You're, so that's you're dating you. I'm, da- I'm dating Cassidy. I'm healing Cassidy. Well, um, well, well it's because... funny because I remember when men... Any time in my life that someone has said to me, like, oh, I'm just not really looking for a commitment. I have a lot going on right now. I've been like, boo, you whore. But Which could be an excuse to, which, to fuck around. And oftentimes is. But as somebody who is truly in that situation now, I'm like, okay, maybe they weren't all full of shit. Well, if you were trying to buy a house, the best hmm. negotiation would be to not have to buy that house to say you know what i'm gonna walk away from this deal well and then they might go well we'll lower the price you know you have that in negotiation power so when you're desperate the people like that are buying a home right now are those that you know if you're going through a divorce or a baby and I, we're buying a home because we're having congratulations a baby. by the way thank you that's so cool but that's when you buy when the market's not right and you're like oh, i gotta do this anyway and in a relationship if you're being desperate you'll settle for something that might not be not not we're not settling for our home but we probably are settling for a shitty interest rate that's just a completely different parallel you could always move to des moines and your money would go a lot further <laughs> yeah, just, but you're not going to do that or des moines dave but but uh <laughs> but but anyway so the point is is that yeah when you're not on the highest uh, sort of stock that you can be you're gonna you're only going to attract the version of yourself that is like flawed well i think i i think i made peace recently with like you know i think that a lot of women go through this where i'm 28 I'll be 29 next year. You got a good year and a half left. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Before, by the way. Okay, I was like, oh god. <laughs> Me and my I'm wife are in our late 30s. We're just, we're just starting. Yeah, we're just right. Starting. And that's, and that's the goal. And I think that that's one of the reasons I love LA is how normalized that setup is. But I think that right around 25 to 28, women start to feel really uncomfortable because, like, the the societal expectations are suddenly like, oh my god, you know shit I'm not I'm not I don't even have a boyfriend you know um but I think once you kind of go through that manic phase where you are trying to make something anything work and you just kind of make peace with the fact that like okay I'm gonna be someone who doesn't find my person until their 30s and that's okay and like there's no reason you know there's no reason to end up with the wrong person out of you know a matter of time um your whole your whole outlook kind of changes I think when you make peace with that but you hard launched a relationship. I did. And it seemed like it was something very exciting for you. In in real non-reality TV life, everyone's everyone goes through breakups. Was it more challenging knowing there were more eyeballs on you post bachelor? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it was cute. The the time that we were together was we started dating when I was pretty fresh off the show, like right after um, Paradise had started filming. And um the paradise that I didn't go to, by the way, just to be clear, I never did paradise. But um, during the early part of our relationship, I would get recognized when we were together, like every time we went anywhere, and it was it just made me feel like, yeah, like you know, cute. And he was he was always so psyched to be by my side and be like the guy with me, you know. And um, and so the euphoria of that experience and like posting. And anytime I would post him, I would get messages like, "So glad to see you happy," you know, from strangers. 
um, that it was. You feel like you won. Yeah, I really felt you like came I out won. On top. I really did, especially after the disappointment of Paradise not working out. I put a lot on that relationship as like my prize, you know. Um, so the relationship began as soon as you knew you weren't going to be going to Paradise. Yeah. And Paradise, not to go on a tangent here, you don't always get much of a heads up. I mean, were you like bags packed? You had the bikinis ready to yes. go? Yes. Yes, I was waiting crunches. for my. I was waiting for my flyout date. Did yeah. they? What did you feel like that was a, a sure bet? Like, what was the odds that you were going? I thought I was certain that I was going. I didn't even. That's kind of one of my fatal flaws in life, though. This doesn't just apply to the bachelors. Like. When I think something is going to happen, I don't even consider the possibility that it won't. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I was very caught off guard, but that's not necessarily a result of you know anything except my just certainty. Um, but did that force you to to want to jump into a relationship, or was it just natural that you were? It like, was. All right. It was natural after that. I had. Um, I went on my first. He was a hinge date. I went on my first date with him like in the weeks after when I was like, okay, I guess I'll start dating again. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that made, you know, the disappointment of the relationship not working out pretty hard. And I was drinking a lot at that point and I was just being messy on my story. And were you working, were you a bartender before this? Yeah. Does that, I mean, that, that's gotta, that's gotta really enable a lot of drinking, right? Yeah, I was in bars and restaurants for almost a decade. Um, and it was pretty much the only lifestyle I ever knew. Um, and yeah, so I, my whole late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, like everyone I hung out with was an alcoholic. Like we sure. just would go to the bar every day, you know, and you had that crew. It didn't even it didn't even strike me as odd until the pandemic. Like it was it really wasn't until the pandemic that I kind of looked around and realized not everybody drank every day. I just thought everybody did because everyone I everyone I knew in my day to day life did, you know. What was your drink of choice? Uh, vodka soda because I was trying to be skinny as yeah, well yeah. <laughs> but my favorite cocktails were like I loved an old-fashioned I loved a um my favorite cocktail is a, a, a mezcal drink called a naked and famous look it up if you're if you're someone who can enjoy alcohol responsibly wow. order a naked and famous it's a do great you, cocktail <laughs> do you think of these cocktails like old past lovers like, well uh, I I do and actually I was thinking about this the other day like I am very fortunate to be a sober person who because of my experience, like I was, I've done everything in restaurants. Um, I've, you know, worked at dive bars where we serve shitty beer and, you know, um, mixed drinks to like high end bars. I've made every cocktail, every classic cocktail in the book. I've tasted every classic cocktail in the book. Like my boyfriend of a long time years ago was a sommelier. So I've tasted wow. phenomenal. I've just had my alcohol. I've, I've had it all. I've had like, I've gotten to t experience it all. And now, you know, now it's in the past. So but you're sober. Yes, I am. Um, I didn't want to talk about this if you didn't want to, but if you're comfortable no, talking, I'm, I'm super comfortable. I like about to it. ask about bottoms. Some there are there are rock bottoms, and then there are people that come to realizations. You know, people might parachute to their bottom, and they might hit the bottom. Where, where what got you to the point saying I, this? I cannot negotiate with alcohol. I think that for me to consider, um, I think that. I'm not going to say I had a traditional bottom because to me, um, I didn't injure myself or anybody else physically. I didn't get a DUI. Right, I didn't, right. you know, there weren't any like legal reasons why I had to start going to the program or anything like that. Um, but I had definitely hit a spiritual bottom. Uh, the breakup in, that we referenced earlier hit me super hard earlier this year. And I, um, I was drinking just as much as I always had, which was every day, 
but it was different. You know, I was drinking to escape. There are whole weekends I don't remember. And all of a sudden I like woke up one day and I was just like, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose the job I have now. I'm going to lose the friends I have left. I, like, I felt like I lost everything when my ex broke up with me. But if I keep doing this, I'm truly going to lose everything. And then what am I going to do? You know, and it was the fear of it was the, the fear just struck my heart all at once of like, if this gets any worse, I actually don't know how I'm going to have any will to live. Did you, did you, um, in hindsight, do you feel like the ex made the right decision to end the relationship? Like what, like mm. what kind of resistance did you have towards that? I was very resistant towards it. We strung it out for a few months. Um, but it's hard to, I don't think he made the right decision because I don't think he made it for reasons that were noble um but that's neither here nor there I think ultimately I I do choose to just be one of those people that I don't I don't think necessarily everything happens for a reason but I think you can take the cards that you're dealt and find a way to make it work for you um and I I personally am grateful to him now I have the you know the ability to say that because I think I eventually would have had to quit drinking but the pain that got me to finally pull the trigger on it. Um, it had to. It had to happen to me that way. Yeah. Now, Otherwise, you know, Lord knows what else. What would have happened? You know. Do you Do you ever look into your attachment styles? Like, are, are you familiar with like anxious attachment or avoidant? Because I mean, I'm not. I'm yeah. not sure on all yeah, of them. Yeah. But uh, I wonder: is there like a connection? Do you think between an alpha personality and someone who doesn't want to say quit on a relationship? Or like, did you feel? Yeah. Like you could sort of strong arm your way through it. I've always felt that way in all my relationships in my family when I was young. I've always been the person who makes it my responsibility to make everything work out and be okay. Um, and I, you know, clearly I think very uh, highly of my own like will, my will be done, you know? And I've, I think in relationships, I've always kind of had that mentality of like, if I want this and I'm, and if I, if I put all the, you know, all the energy that I can into it, it's going to go my way. How could it not? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I that, thought I could save it. I thought I could fix it. I couldn't. I didn't. And and, at, and then so how long after the breakup did you come to that realization? Like, all right. It was when I was in Israel this summer. Um, I had my last drink on July fifteenth. So. In Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you doing there? I had a there? tough night in Tel Aviv. A tough like, night in Tel Aviv. That sounds a like a Netflix movie. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Tinder swindled my way. Um, I was there for work. Yeah, my, my boss is a native Israeli, so obviously this is a tough time um, yeah. in, in you know at work right now. But um, before all of the atrocities, we were there over the summer, and I got to go to Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, and I had this like kind of eat, pray, love experience, and um, I just had a tough night, made a fool of myself, and I was just like, I'm sick of this. I'm a sick fool of, of yourself in front of your boss, or because, like, what, what? On Instagram, in front of my boss, in front of, like, just, I was, like, on one, my ex texted me, and he's like, can you stop talking about our breakup on Instagram story, and I was like, I can do whatever I want, you know? Like, well, you do look for that control. When you go through a breakup, you don't control the outcome, so, well, I can control slamming them, or I, you know, you, you know, I can yeah. control my truth. Which is the can be healthy, but it can also be like not if you're doing it wasted at the end of the night. Yeah, exactly. And I really just I really don't think there is a health like I don't know, I don't think there's a healthy way to 
talk about anything in the first like couple of months. I think you need to sit with it for a while. Sure. And process how you actually feel so that it's not an emotional response, you know? Now, I would love you on Paradise, but I don't know if the producers are going to want an evolved Cassidy. I don't know if they're going to want a so Although a sober person on Paradise no. would be fun to champion. No, because you know what? No, because you know well, what? Well, let me ask you on the record. <laughs> would you do it? No, I wouldn't do Paradise. You Did swear you, you would why? never do Paradise. I'm never doing Paradise. You want to know why? Because look at what happened this season. Yes. We are hot off Nobody of the... even... I mean, like... Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate on John Henry or Cat because I, I that story's still developing. But Kylie, Kylie announced that Avon cheated on her. I made a video this when morning. When I saw Avon's Instagram story, and he um, makes a response right away. Yeah, he admits to it. I just, it's, it's no, 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 no. If this is what we're competing for, if this is what it's all about, is like. I don't know, man. A few thousand followers and a guy who embarrasses you as soon as it like, no. And yeah. I think unfortunately that's that's a lot of. It's not just Bachelor. I was I was looking at F Boy Island. One of the leads only has seven thousand Instagram followers. I'm like, my my post my a mailman's got a bigger following. And so I was like, I don't know what's going on with reality TV, but Dude, you used talking, to be promised these big followings. You your, did. Your season was one of the first one where the like first. it kind of started to peter post pandemic. Well, that's one of the reasons that I don't even I don't know why people don't talk about this more. It's so weird, but like obviously, you know, the seasons that I watched when I was you know aspiring to be on the show someday were like Peter Weber. Obviously, with the I think. Uh, I watched like from Ben Higgins, Ari, Nick, you know, that era, those girls walked off that show with an influencer career and no matter, almost no matter when Million, they went you home. You could be a raven. Yeah. Uh, and if you're somebody Victoria. who is in like, I was in the situation where I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but it would be really cool if I could buy myself a few years to figure that out with, you know, some, some Instagram money, you know? And so that's always, I think, I think that's always an incentive for people. It's like worst case scenario, I'll get a few thousand followers and I can make, you know, some yeah, money. Yeah, it's a little gasoline on your career. If yeah. you if you know like if you know which direction you want your boat to go, here's a little gasoline. If you're rudderless, it's going to be quickly used up. You but know, it's crazy. If you're a Jason Tartik or someone Zach Clark who's got like they've kind of like got their sort of niche, it can work. Now, but I now I politely um, criticized you. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, because I believe you said something along the lines of like you'll never make you'll never take money for influencing, but like why why wouldn't you like you could if, yeah was it because, is that like a bitterness I don't because know you, I think I got bitter I think honestly I was such an emotional roller coaster for a lot of the time that I was just like posting anything online that like I don't know if I stand by everything I've never made money obviously on my Instagram but but I well I, I probably I, would I think I was bitter that I couldn't and I was also I'd be bitter just, too yeah I think I was bitter that I couldn't I think you I was are bitter no, that it didn't go the way I wanted yeah you're no more or less a character than people that now make and have made millions off of the show. You know, my, my good friend Courtney Robertson say, was pre-Instagram boom, so she didn't get paid for the f nude photos that were leaked in the gossip rag. She didn't get any of that. So she was like before it, but in your case, you were part of the class that expected, and I'm sure you I'm sure you were sold by producers. Hey, do yeah. what we tell you and you'll be a star. Mm -hmm. No, you definitely have no reason to think that it's not going to happen that way. Um, by the way, is that a walk of shame or is that... This good lady right here. She's I don't think on. so. I think, I think she's she, having a rough day. I think she's having a rough day. Though. Maybe the edible hit too hard. She and I were wearing the same shoes. 
she's a hot mess. We're dressed the same. I love you, girl. Just, it gets better, I promise. I love a good sun, because I've never done the Sunday morning uh, <laughs> driving with Dave, but this is the place. By the way, and you live in a very good neighborhood for singles. This is the you live in the part of LA where there's a high density of single people and a high density of actors who yeah. are. Uh, not the kind of guys you want to date. That is true. I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you, but about, about this um, whole of like being promised the world. So basically, basically, you know, I think that there used to be a strong incentive for going on the show because you obviously know that like, you know, anything can happen, right? I could get engaged or I could, you know, get vilified or I could make it really far and somebody you know, from my past comes out and says like, she cheated on me when we were together and now your whole life is, you know, ruined for a short time. The only thing that makes it worth the risk is that the likelihood is high that you'll come out with a following and you can make some money off of that. Yeah. These days when I, you know, I, I feel bad. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be cruel or critical, but talking about like what's going on with Kylie and Avon, if I was the one dealing with that humiliation for like what 30, I don't even know. I like, there's not enough there to make a any money on yeah I'm like why the f why would I would be asking myself why the fuck I did any of this yeah yeah the juice isn't worth the squeeze the juice is not worth the squeeze now, some people some people can you know parlay it you can you know some people parlay it into something but you're, you're it's just tougher it's so it, tough it's absolutely tough I mean you know look at Clayton your lead I mean he ended up with a quarter million followers when people were getting millions and he and he str struggled probably similar to how you have hey maybe you, would you ever would you ever uh, rendezvous with old Clayton Eckert? I would love to talk to Clayton again. Really? Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah, like, I would like I would to give it to another shot. Well, I, I don't know if he would ever talk to me because I was like, I was, you know, there was like that whole video that came out where I was like, go fuck yourself, Clayton. But I was drunk and it was a leaked <laughs> video. I was venting to my close friend's story and somebody, somebody yeah. beefed me. What happened there? I just got, I got. I honestly, were, I'm you, a really you, okay. messy bitch. So I just you did was getting a, messy. You did a closed, a close friend story. Oh, what a violation! And one of your close yeah. friends. Yeah, and I when it came out, I had no idea um, what other things they might have screen recorded because, like, I go wild in my close friend story. And I literally, when that came out, I posted to my close friend story, and I was like, I don't know which one of you sent that video, but like, please, 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 if you have anything else that like is personal, like, I, whatever you want, like, please, just you know, I just didn't want. Was that as violating as Sierra Jackson snitching on you? Yeah. That seems like a close... I mean, if a close friend of mine... If someone in my Honestly, close... Honestly, How many people are in your close friend list? I have a life that has been rife with betrayal. So, like, uh, it's pretty It's pretty tough to feel really, truly violated at this point. Um, but, you know, Sierra was just doing what Sierra had to do. You know, she was not standing out um, in terms of her connection at the time. So, I get, you know, you got to stay alive however you can. I Game, respect, game. Um... <laughs> don't I, I don't hate the player um but with this obviously this is more personal because everyone in the, I'm, I'm one of those girls who like my close friend story is comprised of like my best friends in the world plus like people I've met once that I thought were cool yeah you know so it's not like it's yeah, all like my like, inner circle it's yeah. also just like people I think would think that something I say is funny or you know that we had a we had a laugh one time and then here's what you learn when you get some notoriety is that people will get Dude, bitter over maybe what might come easy in that moment so I'm you're friends with reality Steve now so he told me about like he showed me messages that people people from my past had sent him about me that he never posted. Mm. And like my, one of my old roommates that I thought we were totally cool 
had DM'd him and was like, Cassidy's a huge fan of the show. Like, she's only doing this for, like, you know, because she's a fan. How sad. And I was like, girl, we're friends. What yeah. the fuck? Also, like, that, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's not even, like, you know, tea about somebody. What, that they watch the most popular dating show on television? Like, okay, you know? Reality Steve So is there like, are, if you're, if you're thinking about going on the show, just know that's going to happen. So, you know, we talked about that with Golden Bachelor, how this lady, she goes by the name Carolyn, she snitched on, on Gary because of this Golden Boy edit that he was getting. And in the end, all she wanted, because she was anonymous, is to win within her little circle, to know she wasn't, you know, she, like, she, it was about her. Like, we, we're all the main character in our own story. Mm -hmm. But if you, have a, if you have someone that you were living with a few years ago, and now you're kind of like the cool girl on episode two of Clayton's season, yeah. so, oh, she's not that way. We just have this desire to tear down someone else's sandcastle. Well, and truthfully, I mean, all out myself, it was foolish of me to even go on national TV because, like, the roommate thing, that was like, girl, what? But, like, I, my long-term boyfriend that I, like, that was, that relationship ended so badly. I was unfaithful. Like, there was tea on me, you know what I mean? That it had I, like, ended up with Clayton or anything. Did it end because you were unfaithful or was that No, it was all, it was just one of those, like early 20s relationships that like we lived together neither of us knew how to get out we were kind of stuck there you know and like now i think of cheating as it's binary in the sense that you know when it, you know when you're doing something wrong yeah but there's also spectrums to it just like there is murder there's first degree second degree third degree and i was talking about this earlier and it's not to make excuses for cheating but like were kylie and avon like really head over heels or were they one week after the show and they were starting to find, you know what I mean? Versus like, where did you cheat on your wife when she was like, was it a Tom yeah, Sandoval? Yeah, yeah. So like, what was it something that you look back on as like with a lot of shame or it was, was it like learn lesson? It was a learn lesson. Honestly, like if this, if I could sum it up as I, I'm sure that most of us have had something similar, or you know, someone that did, we were both just young, drunk, aggressive, people who shouldn't you know what I mean the we guy were together. you cheated with or your ex um the I've only had two like main boyfriends in my life the guy that I dated after the bachelor and then the guy that I dated in my early 20s for several years and it was yeah. him How I, do you... I lived in we lived together when I was in Boston why did you live together because I moved to Boston to date to like be with him. oh okay that's kind of what why it of got Boston? so hot it got so um Brave. you know like Mentos and Mentos and Coke um, <laughs> Mentos and Coke. That's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. Um, no. Were you the Coke or the Mentos? I was the Mentos. Okay, you I were the one. The you were the one disturbing. I was the having recipe. a lot of mental illness at the time. Now, but what do you? How do you respond to the saying "once a cheater, always a cheater"? I definitely don't agree. Oh my God, do I not agree? I think that. Um, I think that it really depends on how somebody talks about their transgressions. In in retrospect, you know, I think that. If anybody, I'm I'm wary of anybody who blames their past relationships not working out on the partner. Oh yeah. You know? Oh um, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think definitely like make a mental note of that if somebody. Even if they did to, cheat on you, yeah, it's like exactly, always own exactly. up to what you could have done better, I which just, could have been just like knowing to leave the relationship sooner. 100%. Because you can't. They can still be in the wrong, but you can still do something better. And ultimately, forward. exactly. I just think that it's it's it means a lot more. I think how you communicate. Um, so when I talk about my past, like to people I'm dating in that, you know, that element of my past that I'm like, I was young, I was addicted to alcohol and, um, I lived across the country from my family in an apartment. I didn't, you know, I was kind of trapped and I was a liar, whatever. I describe it as like 
I was going through all of this stuff and I acted badly and I would never, ever, ever do it again. I've never cheated on anybody since. I never would. You know, I was, I was like super single in my twenties. So there was no like cheating. There was just dancing around. So like you can make, you can learn your lesson and like you, you could have been in a scenario where you would have learned your lesson had you not cheated and just not been in a relationship. But you know, we, we always put ourselves into situations. Like I believe like as a soul, we put ourselves into situations to overcome them. So the idea that you were once this way and you'll always be that way just completely pisses on the idea of retribution and growth. And just heal people just grow up. I mean like, but I will say this for your, for a current part, like if I had some cheating scandal and then my wife knew about it, that's even more of a trust that that's going to be in her yeah. head. So mm-hmm. that's something that kind of like you just, that's just part of it is, well, it's, is it's un- unfortunately we all get to a point where everybody has a little bit of baggage. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's some, it's some people, everyone has allowed to have their discerning things and the, the, you know, their, their red flags, deal breakers, whatever. Um, do you think you could negotiate getting back on the bottle in moderation? Or do you no. think that this is, have you, are you, are you committed to the idea <clears throat> that like you're, you're powerless? I would love nothing more than to someday be able to have a health. I mean, but that's the catch 22, right? Is like, if that, if you really feel that strongly, if you're like, oh, I would love to have a healthy relationship with drinking. It's like, why, why would that, why would you love that so much? You're like, well, mm. cause then I could drink, you know, I don't. I don't think that I'm somebody who can. And I think that it'll only ever make me a better friend, a better partner, a better a better parent someday, all the things I want to be. You know, my relationship with sugar is similar, except sugar doesn't make you um, do the uh, play victim to your own ego or sugar doesn't make you, you know, uh, blow a guy for coke after the, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. alcohol can, can make, can, can, can make you do things that you just wouldn't want to do sober and you lose control and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I lose control with sugar. It's just, it's just different, right? You don't, and there are, and there are 12 step programs for every type of addict, whether it be there food, are. recovery. You wouldn't believe I know people oh, I, in I like would. sex and love addiction meetings. Oh, for sure. I went to a codependence anonymous coda. I didn't is, even know that was one. It's wild. Uh, well, that's a beautiful thing about LA. There's so many people here that like whatever your affliction, there's yeah. a community for it. I think that's really beautiful. I remember seeing one for like the uncircumcised men. Really yeah, oh, this, sweet. oh <laughs> I went really to this codependent sweet. meeting when I was my going lip through. Just a, went, oh. I was going through a breakup and like I couldn't even get my story out. I felt like I was being strangled in my throat, like my throat chakra was just being kicked in by my, you know, my sadness. She took me in and she just pulled me into her body and hugged me and she goes you sir are codependent (laughs) and I was like yeah and I only went a few times and I was able to sort of do a lot of work for for me like figuring out what my issue I always went through the the several times I had bad breakups were always when I was either unemployed broke or I had all these other issues with me when that's that's when it hits harder same with my breakup like if I had been cruising if I had been in the position I'm in now in life like sober in great shape you know working, saving my money and got dumped, I'd be, I think it would be so much different. It hit me like 10,000 bricks because yeah, I was broke. I was, a, I was like so ashamed of my drinking. I was yeah. like down bad, you know? That's why I look at it. I try, I look at it like shark tank, right? You, you want to, um, can I make a lunch here? Nope. Never mind. You, you like looking at a relationship as in like, 
I'm about to have my initial public offering. I'm about to sell myself to the world. I, they can only buy me at the highest level I present them. How do I make my company the best it can be? Well, eating healthy, getting, you know, uh, pursuing uh, authentic career paths, things, things, doing things that make you the best will invite someone else who's doing something that makes them the best. Definitely. And that's what the idea of like a power couple, it's just energy. I think that that's a big part of what finally led me to AA and sobriety is like, dude, I threw my hands up. I give up. I tried to force my will on the world my entire life and it failed and failed and failed and finally culminated with the grandest failure of my life, which was The Bachelor not working out. And then when the breakup, then I finally was like, I give up. I give up. I clearly don't know what I'm doing. So you can be dating yourself, but you, you, you still got to be. I mean, when we, we started the conversation yeah. on the topic of uh, friends with benefits. So let's wrap it up here. Um, and by the way, this is definitely one of my most interesting conversations. I think the audience is really going to like to hear your story because you've, you've, you've moved um, with, with a lot of growth in a short amount of time. And time is subjective. And I think people can get uh, you know these um, moments of enlightenment really fast when you are set into triggering positions like the bachelor so what so can you like you're 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 sober now but like you can still like go on dating apps have a one-night stand these types of things but like have you have you set um sort of even though earlier we said you're okay with it have you changed your belief on what's right for you definitely um for now um i am you know I have people, I'm going to say people, there is someone that I trust that I spend time with that, you know, is, I guess you would classify as a friends with benefits. I'm not in a place for commitment right now, but, um, that's a fornication buddy. They might call. <laughs> he's, he's all right. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't, it's right now. I think that I'm taking at least a year to just focus on myself and my sobriety and my healing and, you know, all that um but because i really do have a feeling that when i get into a relationship next i think it's going to be it i think i got i think i i have i have faith that the next one is going to be the right one so i'm in no rush you gotta find some guy who wants the milk and the cow i don't even even know how this this saying works but um (laughs) you know these these evangelical sayings uh you know i had um you know what no no cow buyer of mine would be put off by a free sample of milk okay Just, All oh, right. oh, we're, we're drinking oat milk And here, I would so like my buyer dad. to have sampled as many milks as he can get his hands on, and that way he knows yeah. mine is the best. You know, my wife right? is producing a lot of milk uh, in preparation for our, <laughs> our baby, and uh, I mean, that's going to be a whole nother step in when I, uh, when I dabble in I nanny dabble for work it. right now, and I was up close and personal with a lot of breast milk early on. A lot of breast so. milk. Breast milk is, <laughs> the, more I, the more I've learned about pregnancy, bre- did you know that that when the baby, the baby's saliva will tell like the breast what type of milk to make. Did you know that? So if you're if you're lacking, you don't even believe me. If you're a mansplaining breast milk to you, if you <laughs> if you like if you're like deficient in something, your saliva will will like communicate with the breast through the absorption of whatever to to change the recipe up a little bit. That's like miracle. To account for that lack of yeah. Mu- Interesting. That's why, like early on, the breast milk only produces a, a certain, a certain, certain ingredients that are better for the baby early on, and it changes. I just Doesn't thought when, the more I thought of that, I was like, yeah. I mean, men really are the weaker. I mean, we just like all we do is supply a little sperm, and then uh, you know try to try to go make some money, and and obviously you know I'm, I'm uh, simplifying it, but it's it's an, it's impressive. 
uh, to end on a, uh, on a, on a dairy uh, to conversation. End on a, to end on a brass milk note. <laughs> it's uh, just impressive what goes in. Well, you don't know until you're like, oh, yeah, go, go out of this world the same way we came into it. That's right. Sucking on boobs. <laughs> um, so is that, is that a, is that a, um, is that a 12 step thing to like try not to date? While, while you're it's, getting your yeah. bearings, yeah, it. Um, and I know it's a tough. I know it's a tough conversation because you're not supposed to promote it. The but perfect I, way to do AA would be to not date at all in the first year in the program. And there's an obvious reason for that, right? Like you're in a really delicate emotional state in early sobriety, and if anything, they don't, they also recommend you know no big changes in life, like no job changes, don't move. Obviously, that doesn't work for everybody. Um, but they're trying to limit your variables to that limit, might trigger you. Precisely. Um, I am not in a position with the person that I'm hanging out with where my emotions are invested enough that my sobriety is at risk. So I deem it safe and okay. Um, but yeah, I, that's, I, that does have play a part. I'm not willing to enter into any committed relationship where my emotions are heavily invested. Have you had moments, though, where you're, where you're really tempted, you know, to go out and go to the bar or... I have moments, I would say, where it's not that I miss drinking necessarily or miss, you know, like being drunk. I miss, I miss being 23, you know, like mm. I miss the way that it felt before you really knew, you know, how life gets. And well, if it makes there's you a feel naivety better. that I just, I remember so clearly and I wish I could go back, but you can't unknow what, you know. I feel that way. It just stepping foot on a sticky bar, sticky floor, having a cold, shitty beer. All like, of a sudden, you're back. You well, know, I could. You know, I, I can. I mean, I, I like. I like an expensive cocktail every once in a while, but I probably have, honestly, one drink a week. Yeah, like, I'll have like three drinks a month. Maybe they're all at the same time, and that'll be it. But, um, but yeah, like I'll go for the cheapest kind of lager. I just there's something about the the the. the but because there is like a cultural vibe to it that's not exactly yeah. about what you're drinking, and that makes you wonder and explore what you're missing. And it's hard to relive the college years where you don't have to worry about student loan debt, health well, insurance. It's an interesting. It's an interesting psychology because there's a reason I think that alcohol is so much a part of culture and like the fact that like your college years are like such a societal, like everybody, you know, it's a, such a common trope or common whatever experience. Like being young, if we could bottle it up, the feeling of being young and sell it, you know, yeah. we could, we can't. The closest <laughs> we can come though is alcohol. Yeah. You know, and like so yes of course i miss leaving work at one in the morning with my 10 colleagues and going and getting getting you know getting there for last call and you know and just being naive to the horrors of the world and being young and beautiful but and bright you, yeah and... now you're in a new cult of crossfit so <laughs> it, it's no surprise i'm sure the pipeline from from alcohol to crossfit is pretty and because oh, gym culture in I mean, a it's way just... dude i like there are a lot of people here who just, I mean, and it's not uncommon to just shift addictions. If you're a true addict and yeah. you just like need something. But um, I mean, at least you're doing a good it's healthy good. thing. It's good. Yeah. I'm addicted to LaCroix. I drink like 10 a day. I have a few Celsius a day, which probably isn't good. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah, I'm a big energy. I mean, obviously I it's between coffee and like, I'm a just. I love to be cracked out. Diet Cokes. <laughs> I, my audience knows. I'll like, I'll like swing through a 7-Eleven and get like the, the fresh fountain soda. Cause I don't want to drink a can. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a loser. <laughs> but it's like, uh, that's better than some alternatives. Like, so, so, you know, people will be like, well, there's sweetener in it. They cause it. It's like, shut up. 
I could be out there pounding beer, you know. I agree. (laughs) I think that everything in moderation and as long as, honestly, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I think you can have as many Diet Cokes as you want because like you said earlier, Diet Coke doesn't make you yeah. Mistreat people. I'm not blowing a guy for a 12 pack. Yeah, you're not leaving your pregnant wife home wondering where you are, yeah. you know. Or you, or you are, but you're just in the parking lot of 7 Eleven. Yeah, just getting that, give that long straw <laughs> that just, I don't even have to reach up, just connect it like a morphine drip. Well, look, thanks, yeah, for, we'll doing call the, it. thanks for doing the show. It was, My pleasure. it was great to get to hear where you are at and, um, you know, come back anytime. Yeah, thanks. Sorry if it was a little disjointed, but I'm, I feel like we got some good stuff out there. So uh, thanks I think so we much. did. The tea <laughs> continues. Uh, Thanks again. All right. Bye, Dave. Thank you. We'll take a selfie. Thanks so much.